Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast, where we share resources, encouragement, and hope for families of children with Down syndrome. Here's your host, husband, dad, and founder of Hope Story, Rick Smith. Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You know, here at Hope Story, we believe that every single parent in the world that has a child with Down syndrome is a story of hope to another family. And so we wanted to start a podcast where we could help give a platform to all of the parents around the world that have a story of hope to share with the world. And so we wanted to create this podcast for that. Along the way, we'll also be sharing resources to help families of children with Down syndrome. And then we hope share a little bit of hope along the way. And so I'm very excited for this very, very first episode because I'm interviewing, I think, my favorite mom in the whole world of a child with Down syndrome, and that is my wife, Abby Smith. And so I want to welcome Abby Smith, the co-founder of Hope Story, my wife, Noah's mom, and I want to welcome her to the Hope Story podcast. Hello, my wife. Hi. Happy to be here. She's sitting right across this table from me in our home office. We're really high budget here on the Hope Story podcast. All right, Abby. So we've got all these, these listeners out here, which is probably my mom and your mom, and um, hi, mom. So we're going to say hi to them. Hi, mom. But um, let's just start out to tell everyone that's listening a little bit about your birth story, the birth story of Noah, our son, who's nine years old, who has Down syndrome. And so if people out there listening may not know anything about our story. So why don't you just share, take us back nine years ago to the story of Noah? So I, what people may not know or do know is that I'm a pediatrician. And so I was in residency when I got pregnant for the first time. And I was a third year resident, was going into the second part of my last year of residency and ready to have a baby. And I was doing a very hard rotation um, and it ended up making us need to deliver earlier than anticipated because my blood pressure was going up. And so we went in for a visit one day and found out that my blood pressure was pretty high and our OB and ourselves planned to have a baby the very next day. And so we went in to get induced and I spent all day connected to IVs and didn't really progress very far. And so later that evening on the 15th of December, um, we decided to have a C-section. And so that happened very rapidly. And all of a sudden we were in the surgical suite and my husband was in scrubs and we were having a baby. And I had been in many rooms like that before. I had been at deliveries of babies and I knew what to expect. And it's kind of odd to be on the other side of the curtain and knowing what people are doing. And when Noah was out of me, the room was very silent and that was kind of odd to me. And he was taken to a table and cleaned off and they were doing some things for him. And the room was just very, very quiet. And I just remember thinking that was kind of odd And Rick was going over there to take pictures of him and see how he was doing. And I remember being very out of it with the medicines that I was on and feeling very nauseous and wanting to throw up, which apparently is my response to all the medicines you get when you're having a C-section because it's happened multiple times since then. It was very strange because they gave, after about 10, 15 minutes, they did wrap up Noah and gave him to my husband, but they backed him into us to take a picture and Noah was never put on my chest to never allowed to cuddle with me. And there was that quick picture. And then he was taken to the nursery, which I also knew was kind of odd, but I was feeling so woozy and so ill. I wasn't really saying anything or doing anything. And so I was sewn up and um, taken to recovery and I didn't really see my OB anytime during that time. And I remember seeing her leave while I was in recovery 
And my husband was bringing me pictures of Noah. And I started to think at that time and wonder, hmm, I wonder if my son has Down syndrome. But keeping that thought to myself and not really saying it to anyone that was around. And when we were taken up to our room, it was during shift change. And um, that can be kind of a rapid time at a hospital. And you need to get where places quickly. And so we were taken by the nursery. And literally, Noah was not even held up. They said, your son's in there. I couldn't move because I just had a C-section and I, so I couldn't see him. And we flew right past the nursery and were taken up to the room. And so all these things were starting to just make alarms go off in my head. And I started to wonder if what was going on. And so we were in our room and we were waiting sort of patiently for our son to come to us and just wasn't coming. And we were told he was getting a bath and there were delays and about three hours to four hours after he had been born in walked our pediatrician. And this was about 1030 or so at night. I knew that that was not normal. It's not common for your general pediatrician who is an outside pediatrician to come to the hospital at 1030 at night to see you. And my heart just kind of dropped. And she went on and we were in a room filled with my parents, Rick's mom and his brother. And she went on to tell us that Noah had features consistent with trisomy 21. And I, of course, knew exactly what that meant, but no one else in the room knew what those words meant and knew that trisomy 21 meant Down syndrome. And so I clutched my heart because I knew that a lot of children with Down syndrome have congenital heart disease. And so I wanted to know if Noah was doing okay, if his heart was okay. I also remember thinking through all the possible medical concerns that could happen in his life. And just I broke into tears because of all the things that I was worried about for him. She explained that he looked good, that cardiologists were going to come see him the next day. She congratulated us. She told us he was adorable and was very, very reassuring. She did an excellent job of dealing with us and telling us what was going on and being encouraging. And she continues to be an encouragement to us. And so shortly after she was there, like within minutes of her leaving, Noah was brought in. And I realized they probably wanted someone to chat with me and not let me be the one to diagnose Noah. And so I remember before Noah was brought in, just wiping the tears away and wanting my son to know that I loved him no matter what, and that I wasn't going to cry when I held him and that all I wanted him to feel was love. And so he was brought in moments later and I was able to pull myself together and do that and hold him without tears and see him for the first time and just seeing his sweet face and seeing that he was okay and cuddle with him. And it was the first time I got to hold him. It was just, it was special. The tears did come back and that is normal just because you're dealing with lots of things and you're wondering what life is going to look like now and things have drastically changed. What's his next day going to look like and just question all that. And so it's very normal to go through a huge set of emotions. And I think that kind of happens with any birth. You are an emotional person at that point. You have lots of hormones going on. We were able to be with Noah that night. He got to stay in our room. He was doing great. The next morning, our OB finally came back to see us, and she had a hard time, and her first words to us were, I'm so sorry. And I think she was sorry for multiple reasons. I think she was sorry that she had missed this diagnosis and that we didn't know that Noah was going to have Down syndrome. She had mentioned how she went home that night to look and at the ultrasounds and see if there was any signs. And we had not wanted to do genetic testing. And so it was all based on ultrasound. And she just 
never saw anything concerning on the ultrasounds. And I think she was also partly sorry that Noah did have Down syndrome. And she also like, it wasn't a very encouraging conversation that ended with, I was crying during that time. And she kind of assumed that I might need some help with my emotions and offered antidepressants on that initial visit with us. And I, again, think what looking back now and knowing what I was going through was completely normal. Um, and it didn't need to be treated at that time. And, you know, postpartum depression is very real and people do need to get treatment for that if they're having that. But in that moment, everything was a normal response. And so that was kind of hard to deal with. And people, when they would come in and they saw us processing this, and if we were upset, the nurses would kind of asked me, do I want that other medication? And I had to frequently decline that while I was there. And we met some really encouraging people. There was a nurse there who I still know to this day. And she just sat on my bed with me and she put her arm around me and she comforted me and she encouraged me. And she said she, there couldn't be a better set of parents for this boy and that he would go on to do great things. And I believed her and she was right. And I still have a close relationship with her. And there was lactation consultants that were just encouraging and they admitted that Noah had Down syndrome and talked about it and talked about ways that would work for nursing him and for feeding him. And they were willing to go to bat for that for us. And it was very encouraging. And then there were some that were just couldn't look us in the eye. And so it was kind of all over the place when we were in the hospital, but that journey kind of helped spur where we are now, where we want to change that and that we want people to get more encouragement initially and that they can see hope and that they can know while your emotions are normal, there's hope out there and that there's somebody else that's done this journey and can help guide you, get you where you need to be. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of families out there. Maybe they have followed our, our blog or our social media and didn't really know that, that backstory. And so thank you for sharing that with all of our friends. I mean, you know, I think the response of our, of our medical professional, which we would describe as not a incredibly positive experience as we have met with literally people around the globe who have parents of children with Down syndrome. You know, I've seen, I've heard stories where that response isn't uncommon, that a lot of parents across literally the world seem to have this negative experience with their medical professional and the way that this diagnosis is delivered, whether that is a prenatal diagnosis or a diagnosis that comes after delivery, which was the case with us, this this negative experience, which is which is really sort of, you know, sad. So now that you shared all that with us and you're nine years into the journey, our son Noah is nine years old. He has two other brothers, a two-year-old and a soon-to-be six-year-old. If you had a time machine and could go back and tell yourself anything nine years later, what would you tell yourself? I mean, I've often said I would go and slap myself on the head and say, Abby, start smiling. This is going to be an amazing journey. The tears aren't needed. I think you're afraid at the beginning and you don't know what this will look like, but knowing now all the joy that we've had, even the challenges, they've all changed me and made me who I am. And I wouldn't change one thing. I would want this journey. I would pick it. So I would just tell myself to put a smile on their face and to wipe away the tears and step forward and know that this is going to be an amazing journey. Awesome. Yeah. I think if, for me as the dad, I think I, if I could go back in time and tell myself anything, I think it would just be, hey, everything is going to be okay, all the things that you're worried about, all the what ifs, all the things that you're Googling, just to calm down, relax. You know, God, I'm a Christian. And I would just say, hey, God really has it all under control. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him. And, and everything is going to work itself out. Noah, Noah's going to have a great life. 
and you're going to be really proud of him. I was, I was proud of him the moment that I saw him. Even before I met him in the womb, I was proud of him. I loved him. But I would just tell myself, hey, everything's going to be okay. All these what-ifs that you're worried about um, just really aren't going to be that big of a deal. And having Noah, as a dad, I can say, I think both of us would say having Noah uh, is literally one of the biggest blessings of our life. We wouldn't change one chromosome on him if given the opportunity. So I know everyone is different out there. And this is one of the things that I think is really interesting about this podcast is one, listening to and hearing the birth stories, uh, because they're not all negative out there. There's so many positive ones. And so I really want to talk about that on the podcast. But then two, I think another great thing to do on this podcast, because people are listening all over the world, people could be listening to this all over the world, is I'm curious, what does a typical day look like? I know what a typical day looks like for our child. You don't, if you're listening, probably. And so I'm going to have my wife answer that. But I'm, I'm going to be curious, as we talk to people all, all over the world on this podcast, hopefully, to hear what a day is like for your child, because that's going to be different depending on their age, depending on your location, depending on the schooling. And so I'll let Abby share, what does a typical day look like for our family, but specifically our nine-year-old Noah, like a Monday through a Friday, what does that look like for him? Well, Noah typically needs to be dragged out of bed because he's tired. He is not a big morning person, but he will usually get coerced by breakfast and he likes to eat either eggs or waffles and he likes to put jelly on his waffles So that is usually what we have him for breakfast. And then he's picking out his clothes for school, and it usually requires multiple options. And we try to narrow it down to three, and then he can pick one um, that he'll put on. And then he is off to school, and he goes to our neighborhood school, which is amazing. He's about, I would consider his day just a little bit over 50% included in the classroom, usually with an aide. For us, it's a paraprofessional. And then a little less than 50% of his day, he is pulled out into the resource room. He loves school. He loves his friends there. He goes there for social time. He is very chatty and wants to be the center of attention. What we love is that he is loved at our school and he is known. He has lots of friends there. They include him. And so he has a great time. He loves to buy his lunch. Um, He does not like it when I pack his lunch unless he has specifically picked it out. But usually he wants to buy his lunch. And that's been kind of new the last few years. So he goes through the line, picks out what he wants, is able to buy that and sit with his buddies at lunch and eat that. And then after school, he's usually picked up by his dad or me. And he might play on the playground for a little bit with his friends. And then he wants to come home and he usually... We'll watch some TV. Um, He loves a good movie. He's a big Disney fan. Disney Plus has been amazing. So he likes to watch movies. He will also want to play outside with his brothers. He likes sports. He might play some soccer or jump on his trampoline. Then we're eating dinner, taking a bath, and reading and going to bed. On weekends, he participates in a local sports organization that does sports for kids with special needs. And that's been really fun. He's played football and soccer and basketball and even baseball. And that is like one of his favorite things to do on the weekends. And it's been so fun to watch him do that and for him to talk about his teams. He's done swimming before after school. And that was really cool to watch him do that. So there's some random activities that we've done with him. He's done karate before after school as well. That's what his typical day looks like. About once a week, he does go to speech therapy that we do outside of school. And we've been with our current speech therapist for about three years now, and he makes progress each time he goes. And he works hard there. He enjoys going and is never considered at work. It's more play and all of that. And so that is what his day will look like. Yeah, and I think you could summarize that by saying his days has a lot in common with other kids that are his age. You know, he does go to speech therapy. He goes every other week, every other week 
on a Wednesday. And then during school, he also gets some speech therapy. So we supplement his school therapy with private speech therapy every other week. And then apart from that, it really is very similar to our other children, our, you know, specifically our five-year-old who's in kindergarten. I mean, they go to school, they play with their friends, they watch, they, they want to watch way too much YouTube and um, shout out to Dude Perfect. They love watching Dude Perfect videos and playing with their Nerf guns. I mean, they love doing things uh, like, like all other, you know, little boys like to do. So with that being said, what would you say... Again, nine years into this, what has surprised you about raising a child with Down syndrome? You know, as you've been on this journey, what would you say has been some of the biggest surprises maybe that you didn't expect or that wasn't the way you thought things would play out? What would you say has been a surprise to you? It's been a lot more fun than I was expecting. Noah can change an entire experience for us and even the way other people will treat him and like he's the star in a room. Um, he just draws people in and it's just, I've been surprised at the way he's able to sort of break down others and bring out their softer sides. Um, you'll see grown men just play with Noah, these people that you think should be hard and cold and they're not, they just, they will give him high fives or talk to him or listen to him. And he just doesn't judge anyone. He will go up to anybody. He will be a friend to anyone. He teaches you a lot about how to love others and to just see people and not make judgments about them. Um, and he doesn't want that for himself. And it's, I'm just always surprised at how well he loves other people. And I'm surprised by how hard he works at things. I didn't expect him to be such a hard worker, but watching him throughout his life, he has exponentially more challenges when it comes to reaching milestones and he has just battled through and persevered. And sometimes he doesn't want to, you know, do occupational therapy or his speech therapy, but he keeps going back and we keep finding ways to encouraging him to work. And he just does it. And he has really blown me away with how hard he has worked these past nine years. That's great. I, I think I would just say, I don't know if uneventful is the right word, but just how it, having Noah just hasn't been that big of a deal. I think when we had Noah, when Abby had Noah, you know, in your mind, you think, you know, I, I guess I kind of thought that having a child with Down syndrome was going to be, I don't know if big ordeal is the right word, but this that was going to be sort of the focal point of our family. Maybe it was going to be this big thing that we were going to have to kind of learn to adapt to. And really, it just hasn't been that big of a deal to us. And if you're new to this journey of having a child with Down syndrome, which, you know, in some a lot of ways, we're, we're new to it. But if you're brand brand new to it, or maybe you just got a diagnosis, I can understand how you might feel like, man, this is going to be our whole world. How are we ever going to handle this? You know, for us, Noah was our first son. And I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I can barely take care of our, of our puppies. You know, how am I going to take care of a, of a boy, much less a boy that has a child with special needs? And nine years into it, it's just been amazing to think that Noah having Down syndrome just sort of blends into the background of our family. It's just, it's just literally not that big of a deal. And that's just not something that I say uh, because I'm supposed to say it. That's just really the truth. You know, we, we may go to a few more doctor's appointments, not many more. And, you know, Noah may have a few different accommodations at school, but it's just not really that big of a deal. I, you know, it just kind of blends into the background of our family. And, and if I had a time machine, that would be one of the things I think I would tell myself is you're going to be really surprised at just how not a big of a deal this is. And again, this sounds like something you're supposed to say, but I mean it. I wouldn't change anything about 
about Noah, about having you know a son like Noah. It's really has been all of our children have been a blessing to us, Noah included, and it's just been a net positive experience for not just our immediate family but our extended family. It just it has just really been a net positive, and then even you know this podcast, this nonprofit Hope Story, our Facebook page, our blog. All of that is spun off of having our son. And so he's he's impacting not just our family, but literally he is impacting the world and bringing hope around the world. And, and so that has really been a surprise for me is just how great it has been being a dad, a dad to Noah. At Hope Story, we believe one of the greatest gifts for new parents of a child with Down syndrome is a friend who also has a child with Down syndrome and is a little farther along in their parenting journey. That's why we're working to connect OBGYNs with families raising a child with Down syndrome so they can connect their patients with parents who can offer friendship, encouragement, and hope. We call this the Hope Advocate Process. To learn more and to sign up to become a Hope Advocate, simply visit hopestory.org forward slash Hope Advocate. And now back to our show. What do you wish people either said? One of the things that that I think you said was that our OBGYN said, "I'm I'm sorry." I will tell you guys something funny that you may not, you definitely don't know this unless you know us personally. But uh, when when Noah was born, I'll tell you this: this is you're going to think this is fake. This really happened. I'm not going to say where it happened, but this really happened. We went into a lab just a few weeks, maybe even a week after a few days after Noah was born, maybe. Uh, a very short time frame after Noah was born and went in to get some blood tests, my wife and I, and we're, we're pretty laid back. If you know us in real life, we, we can take sarcasm, but we went in to this lab to have some labs drawn on Noah and the lab technician, when we walked in said to us, no joke, Hey, uh, w- which one of y'all give him the bad chromo? I'm not kidding. That was a real comment made to us. I didn't know what to say. I wish I had a time machine. I, there's some things that I would have said to her, uh, probably. So anyway, that was something that I would probably say, hey, that's probably not the best thing to say to a new a new mom or dad. And so, you know, again, our OBGYN, one of the things she said, I'm sorry. Again, I just think, you know, I think she didn't really know what to say. And I always want to just have the best, I want to assume the best about people. And I think she didn't really know what to say. That's sort of a filler thing that I think you say to people. But what as a mom, what are some things that people said to you that were either helpful or you would tell those people, hey, that that probably wasn't the best thing to have said to me? Well, I think actually hearing congratulations is something any new mom wants to hear, regardless of what's going on with their child. They are excited that their baby is there, even if they're in the NICU or if there are medical concerns. And that still is a congratulations, and I'm excited for you. I think I'm sorry should stay out of those conversations. Even if a mom is crying, even if she doesn't know what is going on with her baby, they might be really sick. I think saying, I'm here for you. What can I do? Is there anything you need right now? And just focusing more on that rather than saying I'm sorry, because I think at some point it's interpreted that they're sorry that their child was born. And that's usually not the scenario. They're just, they're sad for the things going on with their child. I think offering resources as a medical professional is very helpful of knowing what's available in your area, um, knowing about groups, knowing about even just another family, which is, you know, hopefully what we can do with Hope Story is like link parents to new families. Um, And I think that was probably one of my 
biggest resources was a family that we talked to who encouraged me and showed me what this was going to look like and that our family life was going to look pretty standard. And so those are kind of the things looking back that not necessarily just staying positive, you can still be real, but try not to turn it into a mournful process. I agree. I think congratulations. If So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a friend of someone that has just been, their child has been diagnosed with Down syndrome, or they just had a child with Down syndrome, or just in general, anytime a baby is born, if, you, if you're ever at a loss for words on what to say, uh, congratulations is always in order. Now, you want to have some discernment with that. You want to have some wisdom around that. It's okay to couple that with, hey, I, mean, you know, I don't know exactly how you feel, but congratulations on this baby. A baby is, 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 a, is, a, is a thing to be celebrated, a life to be celebrated. And so congratulations. Again, when things like this happen, people don't know what to say. And so you've got to give people lots of grace. You've got to just extend grace to people. And so people aren't going to know what to say, especially like for us, um, this this is really sort of the first time that anyone in our immediate family has probably ever had much experience with someone with special needs. And so no one really knows what to say, okay? And so we just want to give people lots of grace. We want to assume the best about our family, medical professionals. We always just want to assume the best. But if you're listening to this and you're ever just stuck for words, congratulations. It, it should really be at the top of your list of things to say anytime anyone is pregnant delivers a child, anything along those lines, just keep that phrase, congratulations, uh, at the tip of your tongue. And, and I think that'll always be a source of encouragement to someone. All right. So that is really good. Thank you for sharing that. I got a couple of more questions that I want to ask. So these are more uh, kind of a practical question here is what resources have been helpful to you over the course of this, this nine years? I'll start by saying that when our son was born, the hospital gave us a really bad pamphlet. In fact, if you visit hopestory.org, every one of these episodes will have show notes, things that we want to link to or things that we want that we might have mentioned in the podcast. And if I can find a picture of this pamphlet, I think I have it somewhere. I do have it somewhere. I, I need to find it. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes for you to see. But they give us a pamphlet look, that looked like it was, it might have actually been designed in the 70s or the 80s really bad. I mean, I guess it was good information. It was, it was a document on breastfeeding, but that, that was really it. Thankfully, our local Down Syndrome organization, uh, shout out to the Down Syndrome Guild of Dallas, they really stepped in and, and stepped into the gap of information that the hospital didn't have for us. And they gave us a binder full of information. And so I, I would just start out by saying the local Down Syndrome organizations are so so huge. And it's very important for you to get plugged in to your local Down syndrome organization. And Hope Story, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome. And then we hope those Hope Advocates can encourage those new families to get plugged in to a local Down syndrome organization. We are huge fans of the local organizations all across the United States and really all over the world that are helping parents. And so I think your local organization is going to be one of the top resources for you, both before you deliver your child and then after you deliver your child to give you information, a sort a sense of community. And so that would be my number one lead off is your local organization. And if you don't know what that is, you can literally just Google your city and, you know, Dallas Down Syndrome Organization or whatever city you're in. And, and hopefully you'll find one near, near to you. So what would you say were some of the top resources that you've found useful 
over these last nine years? I mean, number one was another family. We had a family down in Houston. They had a son who was at that point three years old who had Down syndrome plus had um, another little girl who was older than him at the time. And they had gone to our church when we had lived in Houston. So we had just, they connected us to them and just talking to her on the phone. I was afraid to talk at first just because I was afraid of all the information she would tell me. I was worried. But after I got off the phone with her, I just felt a big sense of relief of like, I can do this. I know what to do next. I know what to go looking for. I felt like I had a guide on my path. Again, the Down Syndrome Guild of Dallas provided a lot of information as well. And it ended up with me getting involved with um, some local moms. And there was a mommy and me group that is still a lifeline for me. I'm still in close communication with a lot of those moms and we share information through basically social media. We have Facebook groups and, and we're able to talk to each other, ask questions, see what's working. If we have issues, we can say, well, Hey, what have you done for this? Have you had this issue before? It's been really helpful. I really wanted tasks to work on when Noah was first born. I wanted to know what I could do to help him develop. And so if you go to Amazon and type in topics in Down syndrome, it will pull up a whole slew of books. And there's one that is on gross motor skills. There's one on fine motor skills and communication skills. But the gross motor skills, which is written by Patricia Winters, was what I read and what I looked at to help Noah. And I found that his therapists were doing a lot of the things in there and it gave me something to know how Noah was doing. And I really clung to that book to know. I think another thing that was really helpful that gave Noah a voice is that we did baby signing times with Rachel Coleman. He would watch those videos. We learned basic sign language and he started using signs around 14 months of age and that gave him a way to communicate with us. And so that was really important to me too. And so when I think back to the big resources that I value now, those were kind of the big ones that stand out to me. Awesome. You know, one of the things that you said was another family. And so for those of you who are listening and maybe you don't know about Hope Story, maybe you just stumbled upon the podcast or you, or you might have you know seen me talk about Hope Story online, that's, that's one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome who can share resources with them, who can help them get to know a family with, uh, you know, a family that's raising a child with Down syndrome, we send them a personalized hope kit. And then ultimately what we hope is that if that doctor, that medical professional has a patient whose child has been diagnosed with Down syndrome, they can connect them to a hope advocate. And so we're real excited right now. We have hundreds of hope advocates, I think over, over 300 hope advocates across the United States as of the time of, of this recording that have said, Hey, I want to be a, a resource. I want to be a source of hope to another family. And so if you're listening to this and you are a parent of a child with Down syndrome, you know, I would encourage you to sign up to become a Hope Advocate. You can do that uh, at our website, hopestory.org, click on Existing Parent, and there's nothing really to be afraid of. If you've never done that before, we provide resources for you, we train you, we give you a monthly training video, access to a private Facebook group, and so we really want to help equip you to really be a, that resource to a new parent. I mean, that, that's really our goal here, and so hope you'll check that out. Two more questions. So the second to last question is this, what are some of your dreams for Noah for the future and how are they similar or different than that of our other two children? I think my biggest dream for Noah is that he is loved and accepted within the community where he lives, meaning that people know him, they want to be his friend, they include him, 
I would love for him to have purposeful employment of his choice in the future. And that is kind of a interesting subject that we don't have time to go into, but just wanting him to be able to do something that he enjoys, that he wants to do and that he can earn money from. Those are kind of my big goals for Noah. I also have little ones where I would love for him to be able to read on his own for enjoyment, that he could do simple math and probably, you know, make sure he doesn't go broke in his bank account. And because we want Noah to have a job one day. Right. We want him to work. Yes. That'd be awesome. I've even changed. I think I have changed my goals for my other children because of my goals for Noah and seeing where value really comes from. And Noah doesn't have to do anything to gain value. He could choose not to work. He could choose whatever, but he still has value. His ability does not get him more value. He is valuable just as he is. And so my other children, I am not looking for them to obtain certain goals or to be smart or to be athletic. I just want them to pursue something that they enjoy and that they want to work hard at. I would love for them to be happy, but that's also not a guarantee that they're doing what God has called them to do and to be. And so I think having Noah and seeing it has definitely changed the way I view people and their value. And it's changed the way I even look at myself because I was very driven by things that I could succeed at and realizing that is there really worth in that? And am I more worthy than Noah because I can get a higher score on a test? And the answer is no. So we all have our strengths and weaknesses and we were created um, as God wanted us to be. And we should just strive to be the best that we can be. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, I think you know, one of the things that you mentioned is really important for, for us all to understand is our, our worth is not measured by uh, a certain IQ or, or, or some certain thing that we can or do. You know, our, our person's worth is ultimately measured, I, I believe, by the fact that they're created in the image of God and they have value, a purpose, worth, they have dignity. And that isn't dependent upon anything that you can do or any test that you can pass. It's dependent on who you are as a person. And so I believe every person on the planet from in the womb till the, the end of their life has dignity, worth, uh, and purpose. And so I, I believe personally at nine years old that our son is already doing a lot of really great things. You know, he's helping people. He is providing hope through his story online. And, and even again, through this, this organization, Hope Story, through this podcast, which he inspired. And so I, I couldn't be more proud of Noah uh, really, all of our children. I'm so proud of them, and I just want to see Noah continue to do things that that bring him joy and that also help bring other people joy and hope. And so, who knows how that'll play out, and practically how that's going to play out for any of our kids. You know, there's no guarantees of what any of the future holds for any of us, ourselves, or our other children. And so, you know, we just put their future in God's hands and 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 roll with it. All right. So, last question on this first episode of the Hope Story podcast is this. What would you tell a new parent whose child has just been diagnosed with Down syndrome? I would tell them, welcome to the family and congratulations. I think being a part of this community is amazing. Like you just don't realize how many people are out there who are raising children with Down syndrome. They want to be there for you. They want to help you. I have seen people rally around other families who are going through hard times, just welcome to this group. And there are going to be challenges and there's going to be more joy than you ever expected. And at some point, you're going to look back and say, I wouldn't change a thing. And it may not be right now that you're thinking that, 
but someday you're going to get there and each day is a little different and a little bit more towards that where you grow an acceptance of this diagnosis. And I promise you that one day you're going to look back and realize that this has been a wonderful journey. You wouldn't change it, that you love your child more than you ever thought possible and that you're so excited that they're a part of your family. And honestly, the majority of us want to go on and advocate. We want to change the world for our children so that they can be accepted and valued in the communities where they are. That's great. You know, I would say just, you know, all those things. And I would just say, congratulations that, you know, I would say to you, to that new parent, what was told to me that it is literally etched in my my brain. I don't think I can ever forget it. And what I was told, again, by someone at our local Down syndrome organization is congratulations, something along the lines of congratulations. There's never been a better time in the history of the world for a child to be born with Down syndrome. I mean, that statement there, I've just held on to. And it's true that if you have a child today in 2000, you know, this is 2020, that's a better time in history for a child to be born with Down syndrome, even uh, nine years ago when our son was born, because things change, research changes, resources are available, and it's just a great time to be born. And it's going to be, that's going to be true 10 years later. And with all the research that are out, that's out there, organizations like Lumine that are, that are working to help uh, fund researchers, it's just an exciting time to be born and things are getting better and it is a great time to be born and that you're not alone on the journey. There's so many families literally all over the world who love their child with Down syndrome and are here uh, for you. And so welcome to the family and we're here, we're here for you. So, well, thank you so much for tuning in to the very first episode of the, the Hope Story podcast. If you're a parent of a child with Down syndrome and you're interested in sharing your story on an upcoming episode, send us an email, hello at hopestory.org, hello at hopestory.org. Let us know that you're interested. Be sure to check out our website, hopestory.org, where you'll find lots of information. You'll find uh, information on how to sign up to become a Hope Advocate. You'll be able to sign up for our email list and much more, hopestory.org. And finally, if you have any feedback for future episodes, questions that you would like us to ask, if you'd like us to make this show shorter, longer, if you want us to turn this into a mini movie, just let us know. Any feedback, your your feedback is valuable to us, especially as we hope to uh, continue this podcast. So send us any feedback that you have. We, we read all of that. Hello at HopeStory.org. Thank you to my wife, our very first guest on the Hope Story podcast for being an awesome mom for being an awesome pediatrician, for being a co-founder of Hope Story, and uh, for, for sharing her story. I'm really grateful to have a wife like my wife. All right, that's it. Be sure if you are on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes. All that stuff is really important. That helps other people to learn about the podcast, which we hope many, many people do, and they'll tune in, hear these awesome stories, and we'll see you very soon on another episode of the Hope Story podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hope Story podcast. On our website at hopestory.org, you can find this episode's show notes, subscribe to our email list, and learn about how Hope Story is working to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome through our Hope Advocate process. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Hope Story podcast.